Good morning, All Shores. So good to be here with you today. I want to invite you, if you're here with us in person, will you stand and join us for worship today? We're just going to put our hearts in a place of readiness and surrender for what the Spirit of God wants to do in our midst. And also welcome to those of you who are joining us online. I know some of you might be away on vacation or joining us from uh, your house today. We just want you to feel the presence of God as well. And so we are just uh, praying that he meets with each of us today. Let's sing together in worship. People come together, strange as neighbors, a blood is one. Children of generations of every nation of kingdom come. So don't let your heart be troubled. Hold your head up high, don't fear no evil. Fix your eyes on this one truth. God is madly in love with you. Well, take courage, hold on, be strong. Remember where our help comes from. Oh, 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 Jesus, our redemption, our salvation is in his blood. Jesus, light of heaven, friend forever, his kingdom come. Oh, don't let your heart be troubled. I don't fear no evil. Fix your eyes on this one truth. God is madly in love with you. Take courage, hold on, be strong. Remember where our hell. Come on, sing it out, church. Clean hands, pure hearts, good grace, good God. 
Jesus. Sing swing wide, swing wide, are you heaven? Let the praise go up as the walls come down. All creation, everything with breath, repeat the sound. All his children, clean hands, pure hearts, good grace, good God. His name is Jesus. Oh, swing wide, swing wide, swing wide. Are you heaven? Let the praise go up as the walls come down. All creation, everything with breath, repeat the sound. All his children, clean hands, pure hearts, good grace, good God. His name is Jesus. today give him some praise thank you Jesus King Jesus we worship you Lord we invite you into our hearts today when I hear the fear call I won't run away, even valley. Your presence is enough when I feel the shaking. Oh, I will stand my ground. Your presence is enough. You are with me. Father, you're for me. Conquer me because I belong to Jesus. I'm never alone, I'm never abandoned. Fear will never conquer me because I belong to Jesus. And I feel the pressure. No, I won't. Your presence is enough 
favorite things to do is to sit on our front porch and watch thunderstorms roll through. And uh, newsflash for those of you who might be heavy sleepers, we had some crazy storms last night. <laughs> and so uh, last night we, we finished our day together by just sitting on our front porch and waiting for the storm to come. And uh, I don't know, there's just something about like the anticipation that the storm's going to arrive, right? Like the, 
you can feel the electricity in the air, the air smells different almost, and um, then the, the wind starts to pick up, and you see the rain come, and the wind gets crazy, and the lightning and the thunder, it's, it's really magnificent to look at God's creation and see how powerful, I mean, if this, if this storm was powerful, think of how much more powerful God is, right? Anyway, um, near the end of the night, I, uh, we, we walked in because we were starting to get drenched by rain, and uh, I just said to Betts, I'm like, man, I am just so grateful that we have a house to live in, like a safe place that we can call our home when storms like this come. And I was just reminded this morning of scripture uh, when Jesus went on a boat ride with his disciples and a storm came out of nowhere. And it says that the, the boat was being tossed to and fro and so much so that the disciples were fearing for their very lives. And yet Jesus, <laughs> being the awesome person he is, uh, Jesus took a nap in the back of the boat during the storm, right? And I was just reminded because, you know, in our own lives, let's be honest, life is messy, right? And so we experience storms of all types. We experience uh, relationships being broken, sicknesses. We re uh, experience the death of our loved ones. You know, so many different storms come up in life. Um, you may lose a job and be struggling financially, like, but I just am reminded that God is present in each of those storms. And uh, while you may be feeling tossed to and fro sometimes, God is right there in the back of the boat with you. And I think all we need to do sometimes is change our perspective and just recognize, like, He is present. And if God's not worried about the situation, neither should we. And so I just, we're going to sing um, part of this song again. And I just want to encourage you in this moment, let's just press into what the Spirit of God has for us today. And let's get our hearts to a place of surrender and readiness and just recognize that even though we walk through dark valleys, Psalm 23 talks about this, that even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we do not have to fear because God is with us. Amen. So we're going to sing this again. And uh, Jesse, will you lead us? And we're just going to sing this. I want to invite you, even if you're not a great singer, that's okay. God doesn't care. Sing this with us and let's declare these words together and just acknowledge that he is present with us. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Father, you're for me. Fear will never conquer me. Cause I belong to Jesus. I'm never alone. Never abandoned, I feel you'll never conquer me, cause I belong to Jesus. Sing that again. You are with me, and Father, you're for me, feel you'll never conquer me, cause I belong to Jesus. I'm never alone. 
I'll never abandon Fear you'll never conquer me Cause I belong to Jesus Fear you'll never conquer me Cause I belong to Jesus Sing it one more time No fear you'll never conquer me Cause I belong to Jesus
The, the Father's arms are open wide. The Father is sitting in heaven and just longing for us to be with him, to sit with him, you know, even to come and to confess our mistakes, our sins, because our forgiveness was bought with the blood of Jesus. He wants to know what our burdens are, what is troubling us. He wants to celebrate with us because he loves us, because he created us, because he cares for us. You know, it's been said that we are either in the middle of a storm or we're coming out of a storm, or we're heading into a storm. You see, storms are part of our life. In the midst of that, God is with us through all of it, and he wants to care for us. You, know, you might be in the middle of a storm right now, and we just simply want to pray for you. It's how we connect with God. It's just one of those ways. And we just invite you, if you're here with us, to have a seat. Just say, God, I need you to move in this area of my life. And maybe you're joining us online. And maybe you just want to have a seat or kneel down where you're at and say, God, this is too big for me. No matter how big it is or how small it is, the Father wants to know. His arms are open and he wants us to run to him and just hear from him. So let's just pray now. Father, we thank you for that truth that your arms are open wide, that there is nothing too big or nothing too small that we can't come to you, that you already know, that you want to move in those areas of our life. So God, we just pray for your spirit now to pour out on each and every person here, that you would remind them that you care for them in the middle of whatever circumstances going on in our lives, that you are there, that you are with us, that there is no storm that is too big for you to overcome. And God, whether that is a financial need, whether it's a relationship need, whether it's just that we feel distant from you, God, and we just need a reminder that you love us, God. Would you move? Would you just speak your love over each and every person here, over each and every person that's listening online today. Remind them, God, that your arms are open wide, that you want to sit with us and just be with us and care for us. And we pray all these things in the mighty and the powerful name of Jesus. You know, and we pray not only for our own needs, but we pray for the churches in our community. We know we are just one part of this global church. So we pray for St. Mary's this morning, just right down the road. It's so grateful for the ministry that they have there and pray that they would be all that you are calling them to be, that you would lead them and guide them. And we pray for our friends around the world as well. We pray for the wards as they just lead and minister in Asia, God, that you'd remind them that you're with them and you provide every need that they have in the midst of what they are doing. God, we are so grateful for the work that you are doing around the world. We just pray this blessing over them as well and thank you and pray that in Jesus' name, amen. You can go ahead and be seated. I just wanna welcome you to All Shore. So excited that you are with us today, whether you're joining us online from some really fun place or your living room 
or you are right here in the room with us, I'm so glad that you are here. And if you are new, this is maybe your first or second time with us, I'm especially glad that you are here and joining us. And, and we just want to meet you and connect with you and help you just get to know more about our church. The best way that we have to do that is really our connection card. There's a QR code in the seats in front of you. If you're online, there's a link that you can uh, just click. You know, you can connect with somebody that way. You can put your prayer request in there. You can ask questions. It's a way that we can help you take steps in your faith journey. Another great way to do that is we have this class called The Journey. It goes for four weeks. You can jump into that anytime, and it happens right now during the 11 o'clock service, and it's right up behind me. You can go online uh, to our website to find more information about that. If you're new, it's the best way to get more information about the church and how to get plugged into where God wants you to be in this life, or if maybe you've been here for 20 years, it's still a, a great way to stick, get connected and find out more about what's going on in the church and where you fit in to be a part of that. We are so grateful for all of that. Well, we're going to continue this morning, and we're just going to continue worshiping as we receive God's tithes and our offerings. You know, it's just one way that we give back. We truly believe it is an act of worship. It's an act of trust, saying, God, I trust you. I trust you to give back what you have blessed me with. You know, my wife and I, started giving a long time ago. We made that decision, and I remember it was really scary. But God has always met all of our needs. You know, we haven't had everything we've always wanted, which is probably a good thing, but God has, we've never lacked for anything we've ever needed because God has always blessed us, and he is faithful when we trust him with our finances. I just want to thank you for being a generous church, people so we can be a generous church. So if you came prepared to give, just do that with joy and as an act of worship. There's ways to give on the screen behind me online, and there's offering boxes you can give on your way out. So thank you for being a part of that. And turn your attention to the screen for more information about what's going on. Hi, my name is Craig Rochelle. I'm the pastor of Life Church, and one of the great honors of my life is to serve the Global Leadership Network to help build leaders around the world because God used the Global Leadership Summit to actually change my life and leadership. And I just want to talk to you for a minute and tell you, if you've forgotten that you are a leader, what is leadership? Leadership is influence, and you have influence. You can influence your family, you can influence your friends, you can influence the people in your church and all around you, and your leadership matters so much. And that's why it is so important for you to invest in your leadership because we never ever get better by accident. I wanna tell you that attending the Global Leadership Summit on August the 4th and the 5th is one of the best ways to grow in your leadership. We'll provide practical, actionable content from leadership experts from around the world that will help sharpen your leadership. And the good news is this weekend, we have a great opportunity for you. We want everyone in your congregation to be able to come and so the GLN has reduced the ticket prices to only $139. Your pastor or your host can provide details, but what I promise you is when you grow in your leadership, you can make a bigger difference in the lives of the people around you, so let's do it. I'll see you there on August the 4th and the 5th, and we know that everyone wins when the leader gets better. Good morning. 
Welcome to All Shores. So good to be with each and every one of you here at Spring Lake. And welcome to those of you who are watching online. It's good to be with you as well. You are here for a reason. We believe that. We believe that each and every one of you here at Spring Lake, each and every one of you watching online, that you are here for a reason, that God has something specific for you today. We say it's not about proclamation. It's not about information, but it's about revelation. We believe that. And if there is just an ounce of you that might think that that is true, I want to invite you, encourage you to invite the Holy Spirit to speak to you today. And then I'll pray for us as we jump into the Word. Father, above all, we just simply want to hear from you today. That is our, our heart's desire. We believe your word is true and powerful. We believe that it has the authority to move mountains, to change lives, to transform the world. So speak now for your servants are listening. Amen. Amen. Well, hey, a couple weeks ago, Evan uh, stood up here and he started us off with a question. I thought it was brilliant. Uh, it hooked me. Uh, so I'm going to try the same thing again today. So I'm going to start us off with the question, how can the church have the most positive impact on our community? This is the question I want to answer this morning because I think that this is, is what Jesus set out to accomplish. In his interactions and in his conversations with, with people, Jesus' mission, I believe, was to have the most positive impact that he could have. That was absolutely the goal from the very beginning when Christ instituted his church. Now, before, before we go any further, I want to make sure that we are on the same page about a couple things. First of all, when I say the church, I mean you. I don't mean our institution. I don't mean uh, our church staff. I don't mean any church any specific church program, I mean you. How can you, as a part of the body of Christ, have the most positive impact on, our, on your community? Second thing I want to be, uh, be very clear about is this. By most positive impact, what I mean is how can we most effectively communicate the love of God to the people in our immediate community. Now, some of you might be like, well, there are maybe other ways that we can have a positive impact on our community other than um, sharing the, the love of Christ. And that might be true. However, there is no other way, at least I believe, there is no other way to have the most positive impact on our community than by sharing the love of God with them. And I believe that Jesus believed that as well. There's no better way to accomplish this than by loving people who are hard to love and caring for people who are hard to care for. Because if they are hard to love and they are hard to care for, then that probably means they are the least loved and the least cared for people in our community. We're in the book of Matthew for this series, and I want to remind you who Matthew was. Matthew was a Jewish man who happened to also be a tax collector. That means he spent his time taking money from his own people 
and giving it to the Roman Empire, giving it to Caesar. And if that wasn't enough, he took his own cut off the top as well. So not only was he working for the man, he was also benefiting, it, benefiting from it as well. This is the same Matthew that is now teaching us how to love people that are hard to love. Matthew's life was changed not by an institution, not by a program. It was changed by a person. Jesus changed Matthew's life. Matthew was a hard person to love, and yet Jesus stepped in and loved him anyway. It's a testament to who Jesus was. Every disciple has a story, and in some way, shape, or form, every disciple was an outcast in their society, and yet every single disciple was impacted by the love and the life of Jesus. Now, Hopefully, you know that you and I are not Jesus, but we are commissioned to follow the example that Jesus sets before us. And if there is one thing that is true about Jesus's time on this earth, it's that he did not move away from people that he loved, from people that were hard to love and hard to care for. He actually moved towards them. Jesus' whole life on earth was a paradox. Everything he did went against the grain of everything that was normal. Every principle about the kingdom he is establishing is backwards from every other kingdom that has been established on earth. He tells his disciples, if you want to be first, then you got to be last. Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. His power is displayed by healing people of diseases that are absolutely unhealable. He made people walk who hadn't walked in 38 years. This isn't normal. This is incredible. This is extraordinary. What other king do you know does everything backwards? Tells you to go to the end of the line to be first, takes care of the enemy, makes people whole, and invites you into the process. I don't know of another one. There's no doubt this kind of king and the kind of thing this king calls his people to is like none other. And if you're like me, you're probably going, I don't know about this loving your enemy part, but I sure do want to see a lot of miracles. Amen? You want to know how to become a part of this? Start intentionally loving and caring for people who are not like you. Yeah, that'll do the trick. Start intentionally loving and caring for people who are not like you. Embrace the unseen with the love and the presence of Jesus. If you didn't know it, we have a tagline, what we call a tagline at our church. It's called, or the tagline is, it's together because life is messy. Really simple. The reason why that is our tagline is because we believe that our mission is impossible to accomplish without the reality of that statement. Our mission is radically loving and growing together in Christ. And we believe that we can't accomplish that if we're not gonna get messy. 
Matthew 19, these kids come to Jesus, and Jesus dives head first right into the messiness of the situation because Jesus is on mission, and there's nothing that's going to stop him from accomplishing his mission, and he knows he's going to have to get messy. So here we go. Matthew 19, verses 13 through 15. Then people brought little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. But the disciples rebuked them. Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. And when he had placed his hands on them, he went on from there. One chapter before this, in chapter 18, the disciples are bickering about who will be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus uses an example of a little child, and he tells him, unless you change and you become like one of these children, not only will you not be the greatest in the kingdom, he says, you will not even enter the kingdom. That's a pretty damning statement. He goes on to say that whoever takes the lowly position like this child will be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. I think it's important to note here how children were often treated in societies back in that day. Not all the time, but oftentimes children were treated as property. They were often used as labor or as a, as a means of, of production at an early age. In many societies in that day, children were simply tools to be used. They had no other significance. Oftentimes, if parents didn't want their children, they would take them outside the walls of the town where the, where the town dump was, and they would leave them at the town dump to die because they were deemed unuseful. Girls more often, more disproportionately than boys, as, as girls were thought of oftentimes as uh, less useful farmhands. Jesus clearly came to change that reality. He clearly came to change that perception. He goes so far as to tell the disciples in chapter 18, if anyone causes one of these little ones to stumble, it would be better for them to have a large millstone tied around their neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. Just so you have a picture of what Jesus is referring to here, in the homes they would use these small little hand mills to grind the grain, and they would use these pebbles uh, to, 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 to turn and grind the grain, and they were often, uh, they weighed anywhere from a few ounces to a few pounds. This is not what Jesus is referring to here. Jesus is referencing, he uses the word milos onikos, which means, which translates to large millstone, and it referred to the kind of stone that was used in large turning mills that were turned by donkeys and prisoners. These stones weighed a few dozen pounds to a few hundred pounds. So just in case you're wondering, Jesus isn't playing around. Children are important to him, and they are important to the kingdom. He clearly wanted them to understand that while society has deemed children as insignificant and unworthy, he does not. The disciples don't really seem to be catching on as one chapter later they're rebuking children for coming to Jesus. In other words, the disciples don't think that these Children are worthy of Jesus' time, that they're wasting his time. 
But Jesus says, no, 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 no. The kingdom belongs to such as these. Now, it's easy to go, well, we don't ha- uh, treat children like that anymore. We don't take them outside and let them die at the dump. We don't, uh, we don't treat them like property. Um, yeah, I-, I hope all of those things are true. But if we're being honest, if we're being honest, there are times, even today, in our society where we treat children as less significant because of their age. And church, look, you don't want to be on the wrong side of the debate on this one because Jesus isn't messing around. He is very clear that children are important. They're extremely valuable and important to the kingdom. And he expects us to treat them that way. Quick parenting win for you. Uh, You know you're winning as a parent when you're in the supermarket and your (laughs) four-year-old looks up at you and says, Papa, I know what I want to do with the rest of my life. I said, what's that, buddy? And he said, I want to be a preacher just like you. (laughs) Melts my heart. Now, since then, he's told me about 45 other things he wants to be, and he's never repeated that he wants to be a preacher. But in that moment, that was exactly what I wanted to hear. That was exactly what I was waiting for. But children are extremely valuable and important to the kingdom, and Jesus expects us to treat them that way. It matters how we raise our kids. It matters how we treat our children. But I don't want you to miss the larger point here. There is a, a larger narrative. So I want to pull you back out of that specific uh, um, illustration for a second. There's a larger narrative that is taking place and that children were just one group of people in that day that were marginalized in society. They were just one group of people who were unseen and thought of as as insignificant. We have all sorts of reasons today why people are marginalized in society. They look different. uh, They they act different. They're a lot of work. They take a lot of time and resources. It's just simply messy. And it's a lot easier to just go about your normal day and ignore them. Think about who that person or people are in your life. When you think about those people, do you hear Jesus saying, no, 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 no. The kingdom belongs to such as these. Don't write my people off as as unworthy and as hard to work with. You have no idea what they can accomplish in my kingdom. If you want to have the most positive impact, if you want to have the most positive impact in your community, then you identify who is hard to love and you humble yourself and you start to love them no matter how messy it might get. And nothing about our society tells us that that's the way we're supposed to do it. (laughs) But that is exactly what Jesus tells us. Who is that for you? I can think of a few for myself. A few years ago, several years ago, I was a youth pastor in Wisconsin, and I did the crazy thing of taking, along with some other leaders, taking my students uh, to another country (laughs) on a missions trip. Um, It it was really bold, and I don't know if I'd ever do it again, but um, I did it. And um, when we were there, we were working at a church, and uh, we were working with a church, and the, the uh, the job that we were doing was raising the church property level, the entire property, raising the level of it up. So hauling in a bunch of dirt and raising the level up because every time it rained, 
uh, the church property would flood. And so we spent a week and a half just hauling dirt. I mean, hard labor, just hauling dirt, spreading it out. Had a few other tasks we, we did while we were there as well. But every day there was a, a gentleman in the community who uh, um, he was considered a nuisance in, in that, that town. He, he was sort of outcast uh, by uh, his society, his community in a, lot of, in a lot of ways. He was a really small guy, about half, half my size. He had some mental health problems and um, you couldn't really understand anything he said. Even if you did speak Spanish, you couldn't really make out what he was saying. Um, and uh, he was drunk every day. Every day he showed up, he was drunk. And so he would show up and he'd come in and he would try to you know, help and you know, try to be a part of what we were doing. But it was so hard to communicate with him. It was, it was impossible to understand him. It was completely <laughs> impossible to really know how to work with him and how to relate with him. And so for that reason, he kind of just kind of got lost in the mix. He kind of got forgotten. And he would try to help, and then you could tell he'd get a little frustrated, and then he would leave. He'd be gone for the day. And then he'd come back the next day, same thing over and over again. We didn't give him much attention because we weren't sure how to interact with him, how to engage with him. And so it was much easier to just, to just ignore him to continue doing our work. He'd stick around, and then he would get frustrated, and he'd leave. Well, towards the end of the week, he came in, and same routine. And this time, he started getting really upset. And he would pick up these big boulders, and he would threaten to throw them at people. Well, at that point, it got a little crazy, and, and I felt like, man, I, got, I need to protect my students. I need to protect the people here. So I walk over, and I slam the rock down, and I grabbed him by the arm, and I escorted him off the property. Well, then he came back a little bit later. Same thing, same routine. Pick up the rock, threaten to throw it. <clears throat> so I'd slam the rock down. I'd grab him by the arm. I'd escort him off the property. And then finally, he kept coming back, and the same thing over and over and over again. He kept coming back. And finally, it dawned on me that right before he got to the, the point that his anger brought him to picking up a rock to throw it at somebody, I could tell he was trying to communicate something, and nobody could understand what he was saying, and nobody was listening. And it just occurred to me that this man is lonely. I mean, how horrible would it be to constantly, every single day, not be able to communicate with anybody in a way that they understood you and to watch everybody ignore you. And my heart just broke. So I walked over, gently grabbed the, the rock out of his hand. I put it on the ground, grabbed him by the hand. We walked to the edge of the property, and then I did a really stupid thing. I picked him up, and I threw him over my shoulder, and I started walking down the street. And it, only, it was a couple houses down that I realized oh, crap, I'm a white man in Nicaragua carrying a local Nika, a drunk local Nika over my shoulders. If the cops drive by, I am in big trouble. Thankfully, that didn't happen. So we get a, a ways down the street, and I sat him down on a step, and I sat down beside him. And I couldn't understand a word he said. He didn't understand a word I said. But I just looked at him, and I said something like, I'm sorry for what you're going through. Tell me about it. And he began to talk. Didn't understand him. He didn't understand me. 
But he began to talk, and I watched as the demeanor on his face dramatically shifted. I watched as the anger subsided. I watched his eyes. You could see it in his eyes. This was the first time in a long time that he had been loved, that he had been heard, that he had been cared for, that he had been seen. And I don't tell you that story to pat myself on the back, because for every story like that, I have 20 other missed opportunities. But all I know is that in that moment, in that time, in that place, I had the most positive impact that I could possibly have simply because I stepped away from what I was doing. I stepped away from my agenda. I sat down and I listened and I cared and I loved. When we embrace the unseen with the love and the presence of Jesus, we have the most positive impact we can have on our community. For the last couple of years, we've been talking about this idea of the church deployed. And what that means is that our church isn't just a, a gathering place. It's not just a time to, to gather and, and enjoy each other's company. We do that, and it's great, and we'll do that every week. But if it stops there, we're missing out. Because the reason why we are here is so that we can fuel up and be sent out on mission. The mission is your schools. The mission is your workplaces. The mission is your social gathering places. The mission is your family reunions. The mission is wherever you are at Monday through Saturday. That is your mission. Can I just be real with you this morning? If we are not the church when we walk out these doors on Sunday, then we are not the church when we come back next week. Because the church is not just a, a place where we gather. It's not just a, a place that we show up once a week. The church is you. You are the church. I am the church. We are the church. It's literally who we are. In Matthew chapter 16, Jesus asks his disciples a question. It's a question that leads to a turning point in the life of the disciples. It's a question that completely changes the scope and the dynamic of everything that is about to happen next. It's a question that sets Jesus up to sort of hand off the baton, so to speak. It's the moment he's been waiting for. Jesus first says, who do people say that I am? And the, the disciples rattle off a bunch of names. Uh, some people say you're, you know, John the Baptist, some people say you're this guy, so, you know, rattle off some names. And then Jesus goes, here's, here's the question that changes everything. Jesus says, who do you say that I am? And without hesitation, as bold and as forthright as can be, Simon looks at him and says, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And I just envision Jesus in that moment, jumping up and down and waving his fist in the air because this is the moment that he's been waiting for. That declaration by Simon in turn compels Jesus to look back at him and say, you didn't get that from flesh and blood. That came from the Father. In that moment, Jesus is able to take everything that he has done up to that point, everything that he is, and connect it back to the Father. So that now, if there was any thought from the disciples that anybody else could be the Messiah, not anymore. The disciples are in 
100%. So Jesus immediately seizes the moment and he looks at Simon and he says, you are now to be called Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. This is the moment the church is instituted. The game has been changed. The new temple has been established and we're no longer playing by the old rules. This is the moment Jesus has been waiting for. In many Jewish traditions, it was believed that the temple was the place where heaven and earth met. It was also believed in a lot of those, um, those same traditions that uh, the temple was the place where the gates to the underworld were found. So Jesus' Jesus's declaration back to Peter was simply this, I'm reconstructing a new kind of temple. I'm reconstructing a new place, a new center point of God's world. One where the gates of hell have no access. They have no authority. One that's actually a building. It's, it's not even a building. It's actually a community of believers that are to be sent out on mission to tell the world the good news and to have the most positive impact in their community. I can't even begin to tell you how important I believe that it is that we don't walk through these doors on Sunday and we hang out with some people and have a good time. We chat, we hear a sermon, we sing, sing some songs and we, we walk out the door and we just sort of forget about what we experienced and heard and get on with our Monday through Saturday world. Can I just tell you this morning, if we are not the church deployed, then we are not the church. I mean, could you imagine if, if Peter would have looked at Jesus in that moment and said, yeah, okay, cool, uh, cool story, Jesus. Appreciate it. I'm gonna get back to my fishing. And Jesus is like, no, 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 no. Peter, don't you get it? You are the temple. The temple in its old form doesn't exist anymore. When you get back in your fishing boat tomorrow, you are the temple. When you go into town and you encounter all kinds of people with all kinds of stories and all kinds of situations with all kinds of backgrounds, you are the temple, Peter. Wait, so... So you mean that when people see me, they see the place where heaven and earth meet? Yes, Peter, that is exactly what I mean. When people see you, they encounter the presence of the holy living God and it changes them. That is your new reality. That truth for Peter changed everything about who he was. It changed everything about what he did, where he went, how he interacted with people. People's lives were dramatically impacted by the love of God because of Peter's faithfulness to the mission. It's not that he didn't make mistakes after that or that he was perfect. He made plenty of mistakes. But he woke up every day believing that he was the temple. And wherever he went that day, so goes the presence of the holy living God. And church, that truth is just as true for us today as it was for Peter. 
when we leave this place, we take the presence and the love of God with us. We have the opportunity to embrace the unseen with the love and the presence of Jesus like never before. People in our world today feel more lost, more lonely, forgotten like never before. There's never been a greater time in history for the church to be the church, for the temple of God, to pour out the presence and the love of God to a world that desperately needs it. So how do we take steps towards that? That is the question. How do we take the next step towards that? For some of you, maybe you just need to identify one person in your Monday to Saturday world, one person who needs to experience the love in the presence of Jesus in some way, shape, or form and commit to engaging with them. I don't even think you need to prepare or, 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 or in any way be ready for it. I just think you commit to it, you figure out who it is, you pray that God will be there and you go for it and the Holy Spirit will do the rest. For some of you, maybe it's time to start a Frank list. We have this online, allshores.org. If you're not familiar with what the Frank list is, it's basically a list of people in your Monday to Saturday world that are far from God. And your commitment is to simply pray for them. And when you pray for them, we believe that God will open up doors and, and your relationship with them will strengthen and then you will have opportunities to engage with them at deeper levels. And that's what the blessed plan is. That's just a simple way to interact with them just a, a simple way to interact with them at the different levels um, that you might be in your relationship with them. Maybe some of you already have a Frank list and you just need to recommit to it this morning. For some of you, we have all kinds of programs and opportunities to engage throughout your week here at the church. We have a program called Kids Hope. And if you're not familiar with Kids Hope, it's an opportunity to be paired up with a kiddo at the local elementary school and to mentor them. And it doesn't take any, there are no prerequisites. There are, there are no uh, requirements. You don't have to prepare anything. You just simply have to be willing to commit to showing up once a week for an hour to engage with them, to help them with homework, to play with them, to play games, to talk about life. It's really simple. But it's not about a, a program. It's not about a, a ministry. It's, 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 it's really about the church being the church. It's a really about how you be the church in your Monday to Saturday world. Because listen, we don't just come to church. We are the church. That's who we are. Let me pray for you. Jesus, we declare this morning that you are the Messiah, that you are the holy living son of God. We understand the ramifications of that. We realize what that means. And Father, I ask that you would empower us with your spirit. That when we leave this place this morning, we do so as your temple and that your Holy Spirit is poured out everywhere to everyone in every place we go. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Well, as we close out this morning, as we do each and every week, we do so uh, we respond to the scriptures through a time um, of entering into communion uh, together. And, and uh, we believe that this is not just a, a time to celebrate 
uh, what Christ did for us and to remember what Christ did. We do believe it's that, but we believe it's more than that. We believe it's an, an opportunity for the, God to meet us in it uniquely, for him to pour out his spirit on us, for us to receive something from the Father through our, our act of communion. We practice open communion here at All Shores. It means you don't have to be a member. You don't have to have any kind of um, status, uh, attendance record. None of that matters. We just want this moment to be significant for you in your spiritual journey with Jesus. If you can say that, man, we would love for you to participate with us this morning. If you haven't had an opportunity to grab the elements, this would be a great time to step right outside. The elements are on the uh, trays right outside the doors. Go ahead and grab those now if you want to participate with us this morning. Would you stand and worship with us as we prepare to enter into communion together? forgiven because you were forsaken and I'm accepted you were condemned I'm alive and well spirit is within me because you died and forgiven because you were forsaken I'm accepted you were condemned and I'm alive and well the spirit is within me because you died and rose again let's sing this together Amazing love, and how can it be that you, my King, would die for me? Amazing love, and I know it's true. It's my joy to honor you in all I. The night Jesus was betrayed, took the bread, and after he'd given thanks, he broke it, and he offered it to his disciples, saying, this is my body, broken for you. Take and eat, and each time you do, do so in remembrance of me. Let's take the bread together this morning. Likewise, Jesus took the cup. That too he offered to his disciples saying, this is the blood, my blood of the new covenant poured out for the sins of the world. Take and drink and each time you do, do so and remember to me. Let's take together this morning. Let's just finish by uh, responding in song our gratefulness for his faithfulness to us. Let's sing this again. I'm forgiven 
Because you were forsaken, I'm accepted. You were condemned, and I'm alive and with the Spirit is within me because you died and rose again. Oh, amazing love, and how can it be that you, my King, would die? Amazing love, and I know it's true. It's my joy to honor you in all I do. I honor you because you. Jesus, you are my King. Jesus, you are my King. Jesus, you are my King. Oh, Jesus, you are my Jesus, you are my King. Amazing love. Amazing love, and how can it be that you, my King, would die for me? my joy to honor you. Amazing love, and how can it be that you, my King, would die for me? Amazing love, amazing love, and I know it's true. It's my Thanks for being here this morning. So good to be with each and every one of you here today. I would love to um, invite you back next week for the last week of our sermon series, Conversations with Jesus. Let me uh, give you a blessing as you go today. If you would hold out your hands and receive the blessing today. Now may the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ continually fill you with his presence. May he grant you the, the opportunities and the grace to impact your world for Jesus. And may he sustain you in all that you do and say and experience this week. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen.